up my butt. So I'll have to scrap that. But it is picking up your vocal. Okay. Okay, so we're ready to go live. Here we go. Ah, oh, son of a gun. It, it started two versions. It started two versions of butt. All right, so according to this, we're streaming. So, all right, uh, Pastor Martins, uh, we're unable to play the music again this morning, but however, we're going to continue our series on the uh, story of Senor Van Rensburg. I put the ch- uh, chat room link in uh, the the book as uh, contained by uh, Willie Martin, who was a very strong two-seed yeah. line identity teacher here in America. And fortunately, it was preserved on his website. And so how are you doing today, Pastor Martins? Good evening, oh, good evening Pastor Eli. Very well, thank you. It's, uh, the winter is definitely set in uh, for us here in the Southern Cape. Uh, but uh, today was a fairly warm sunny day but uh, it's cold <laughs> <laughs> okay definitely uh, we can yeah. feel the onset of winter yeah it's it's funny uh, south africa is part tropical paradise and part mountain uh, cold mountains uh, just like california yeah, very similar to california in many respects okay so well pastor uh, already we've had frost in the orange free state which is uncommon for this time of the year. Normally, frost only starts appearing in May. Mm. But um, what we do find is currently there is um, the the inland, uh, which is normally uh, dry and uh, and and uh, uh, sparsely devoid of any rain for this time of the year. Right. Is being flooded. We've got, <laughs> well, we're wow. having such abundant rain, which is totally uncommon. But uh, right. uh, we're looking forward at least for a, uh, yeah. a very cold winter, most probably. Last year, was uh, the winter was very uh, cold with record lows in, in parts of the country, which uh, okay. have not had those temperatures recorded in human history or human oh. uh, memory. Oh, it's got to be due to global warming, (laughs) right? Global warming is the fast part. Yeah, of course, I know. And I'm being facetious, right? Okay, so uh, let's get into it. Uh, So Chapter 13 of the document put online by Willie Martin, and this is the uh, tragic death of General Botha. Okay, and uh, so feel free to break in and comment wherever. Oops, I just lost it. My scrolling uh, function just went haywire. So tell us what you know about General Botha So uh, as I get into this. Yes, Pastor, uh, General Botha I see the, the writer actually wrote here the tragic death of General Botha. Mm-hmm. which uh, I believe is, was not so tragic at all. Um, we see so many parallels between um, General Boerta and Peter Tief. Now, Peter oh. Tief, being a Freemason, oh. he um, negotiated with the, uh, the Freemasons um, fr- from England in, in the city of Port Natal, which is today called Durban. And uh, that was a, a Reverend Owen, whom, of mm. course, um, gave the message through to Ketchwayo, or Dungan's brother, that uh, Picretif was coming to kill Dungan. So Dungan actually killed Picretif and his uh, squad uh, because he, he believed what he's, uh, this Reverend Owen from the London Missionary Society had actually told him. And what we see is that um, very similar to Petritif General Louis of Buta, uh, was also a Boer. He was born in central Natal in the area of Greytown, not very far from where we, where we were at the um, Battle of Blood River. 
or the memorial grounds of the Battle of Blood River. Yeah. Uh, in the area of Great Town, he w- was born amongst the Boers. So he was a Boer. Okay. And he married the daughter of a Scottish missionary. And I had forgotten what his uh, surname was, but her name was Annie. Okay. And uh, Louis Boerta, well, just in the next line down, we see that uh, she had warned that General Louis Boerta would turn his back on the Boer nation, he said, uh, okay. um, after receiving self-rule in 1910. Now, what we must know about Louis Boerta, he was drawn into the um, this whole um, event by Jan Smuts. Freemason, either my Jew, young okay. Smuts. Okay. And, and being a Freemason, Louis Boerta got lured into it, and I believe that um, uh, Louis Boerta was, he did not perish because of any flu or anything like that. He, he, he committed suicide. Ooh. And, okay. And I believe that the reason why he committed suicide was when he discovered that he had actually been a traitor to the Boer people uh-huh. because of his actions, because of the way in which he dealt with um, the handing over of the Boer republics to these Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Yeah, okay. Of course, of course, something that must also be said is that um, Jan Smuts's family were never incarcerated in the concentration camps. Neither was Louis Boerta's family. Okay. In fact, Louis, Louis Boerta's wife, Annie, uh, ran a, a, a um, what do you call it? A, a, she, she was running a, um, a brothel? Uh, house of prostitution? R- yeah. A, a house of prostitution, as you really? call it. In, wow. In Pretoria, huh. entertaining the officers and the top echelon of the British so, Empire. So, Madame so Annie, the, Madame Annie, <laughs> okay, <laughs> amazing, yes. absolutely amazing. Okay, so, uh, no, of course, this book is written, I presume, by uh, Senior's daughter, right? And so, she probably would have not have known uh, of uh, General Botha's true position, correct? True identity, um, being a traitor. Yeah, she would not have known of this, so that's why uh, she yeah. she call, refers to it as a tragic death. All right, but it's very interesting because yeah. uh, in, in the next sentence she mentions that well, the outbreak of the great flu epidemic during 1918 and not only had a tragic beginning, but also a tragic ending. So here is probably where she assumes that General Botha died of the flu, so-called. Let me read it. A friend and confidant of Van Rensburg said that even before the outbreak of World War I, the seer had warned that General Louis Botha would turn his back on the Boer nation, exactly as you have been saying here. Quote, after yeah. receiving self-rule in 1910, the nation held prayer meetings so that the Lord would show us the right man to be elected as prime minister. At the time, we had to choose between Botha and Merriman. Botha lost the election. All right, so if Botha lost the election, how did he become prime minister? Yes. Um, let's continue to read on that because okay. that is quite interesting. Okay, I'll read in, down in to... Fact, um, go ahead. Yeah. Um, Merriman was from the Cape. Uh-huh. Uh, he was um, a... a um, a British subject, and even though he was elected, uh, it would not have served the Boer purpose of, or the purpose of um, uh, um, deceiving the Boers. Right. Be- because they they wanted the Boers to support this union, even though the the union, the formation of the union, was totally legal. And I will send you the link to the website that actually conveys this in a 4,000 pages plus document. All right. Along with, I think, 15 appendices. All right. Which actually very clearly indicates the elite, 
illegitimate or the illegacy of uh, or the illegality of the uh, formation of the Union of South Africa. Right. Um, right. Okay. Which is I'm a bore. With, uh, not a bore idea, but a Cape Dutch Afrikaner idea. Uh, Pastor, yes. The the main thing was, and this will we will talk about during the um, uh, as we go along and during the show. Um, it it was. If you can understand the background to this uh, Cape Dutch Afrikaner longing to take hold of the Boers republics, right? Uh, you will understand the the, uh, the the extent and the depth of the deception to take hold of the Boer republics, subjugating the Boers to the Afrikaner, not to the British, but to the Afrikaner. Right. Because the Afrikaner was behind the wars. Every war yeah. that the, the Boers were confronted with was organized and orchestrated and incited by the right. Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Okay, now, uh, to what extent, you know, because you and I have been doing these shows exposing these facts about the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, Edomites, and uh, to what extent yes. uh, are your people becoming aware of this treachery? I mean, is it still uh, totally out of their mind that they don't know these things? Pastor, um, I have been fighting this battle for the past seven years, nine months, and one and a half weeks. Okay. <laughs> so it's been a very lengthy battle, but um, I can see the light in the tunnel because so many Boers are uh, awakening and are getting enlightened. Great. enlightened about the true history. And, yes. Um, there are so many people that actually stand with me in this. They uh, they send me messages. They call me on the phone. They um, they ask for more information. And uh, it's just so important that we get this message out, even if it is in English, because uh, mostly the Boers reject any message in English. Right. And that oh. is because of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners have, for so many years, for three generations, for more than three generations, actually, they have been telling the story that it is the British who came to kill the women and the children of the Boers in the concentration camps. It was the British who came to build the concentration camps. But they don't tell that it was incited by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners for right. the war to be waged in the first first place. Right. Okay. They forget that the, or they neglect to tell that it was a Cape Dutch Afrikaner that incited the formation or the building of the concentration camps. Right. Okay. It was and then a Cape Dutch Afrikaner <laughs> that incited the the um, uh, scorched earth policy, even though it was um, the the British Empire's. We carried it out. Um, commander. Right. We carried it yes. out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, this type of treachery is revealed in the very next short paragraph and where we say, okay, we both have lost the election. However, we gave him the seat at Losberg and elected him prime minister. Four years later, this same Botha executed all the Boer generals who had done their duty during the Second War of Freedom – Wow, because they did not want to shed, yeah, talk about treachery, because they did not want to shed innocent German blood and move the national boundaries. After that, General Botha mm. imprisoned all the officers in the fort and the regular burghers uh, in the Kafir compounds at Kimberley. Wow. Yes. I mean, go ahead. Absolute treachery. I mean, can you imagine worse treachery than this, right? Executing all the Boer generals who had fought against the British and defeated them. That's quite amazing. It's as if here in America we suddenly executed George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and uh, Andrew ja uh, Well, yeah, yeah Andrew exactly. Jackson, right? Uh, that, that's the extent of this treachery, folks. This is huge. And, of course, we never hear about Absolutely this. Absolutely yeah, go Pastor, ahead. This is part of the this is part of the history that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners want to hide. They don't That's want right. the Boers to know about this because uh -huh. 
it would cause the Boers to actually rise up against the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Yeah. And it's not the time yet. It is yet to come, but it's not the yes. time yet. We're and getting there. The things, <laughs> that's why I, that is, that is why I declined to actually mention it up front. When you ask me, I'll say to you, let's read further. Because yes. it's so, uh, so many people would tell me, David, you're lying. You, you're deceiving yeah. us. This cannot be true. Because yeah. they have been, um, brainwashed by the Cape Dutch Afrikaner media for so many years. Yes. For three yes. and a half generations. Yeah. So it shows the value of this document. Now, I don't know. Well, obviously, this has to be available in Afrikaans, right? And uh, I don't know if you have a version of it that this needs to be shared with all the Boer people so that they know the facts yeah. about this traitor by the name of General Botha. Okay. So let's continue. Yeah. It was well, then. Uh, 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 go ahead. Pastor, can you understand all the times that I have actually stated the uh, this uh, Louis Boeta and Jansmat, the Cape Dutch Afrikaner, yeah. Louis Boeta, yeah. actually was not an Afrikaner, but he sided with the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. And of course, with Jansmat, whom yes. has, I, I have no question yeah. in, my mind, in my mind about the identity of Jan Smuts as being an Edomite Sephardic mm -hmm. Jew. Right. Okay. So whenever our people make common cause with the Jews, Sephardic or Ashkenazi, it spells treachery, <laughs> right? Toward their own yeah. people. And this is what happened. So then it, it says, it was then that Um Klasi, which is uh, Ant, means Ant Klasi? Okay. Or uncle. No, that is uncle Klaus. Oh, uncle Klaasie. Uh, uncle Klaasie, that would be um, Sia von Rensburg. Oh, okay. Said to me, if we had acted according to our prayers and elected Merriman as prime minister, there never would have been a rebellion. But even when both are lost exactly. up, we would not listen. And now the Lord is punishing us for our sins by using this name, Botha. Wow. Wow. So Van yeah. Rensburg confirms the treachery in his own this, words. Um, it seems to be the same Buddha. Uh huh. Mm, okay. Now next, the great flu epidemic. Um Nicholas explained further. I see a black block being pushed by a hand from Cape Town across the country. <laughs> when the block has vanished, I see people in mourning clothes. In reply to a question whether a disaster was about to occur over the nation and what could be done about it, the seer said, quote, Yes, brother, it will be something terrible, and it will be a time of faith and prayer, unquote. After the Russian Revolution of 1917, Russia surrendered, and in 1918, Germany utilized these troops to launch a new attack on the West. In June, well, that's the, the Rothschild-controlled France and Britain, right? In June, Paris was in danger again as, at the start of the war. General Botha was worried that England could lose against Germany if America did not enter the war. Ah, okay, more treachery by the international Jews, uh, even in South Africa, right? Getting America to enter the war on the side of the Rothschild-controlled French and British. Okay, absolutely the case here. While negotiations were in progress, a shipload of English coloreds on leave entered Cape Town because an influenza epidemic was raging on board. They were requested to anchor outside the harbor. The harbor authorities asked General Botha whether the ship could enter harbor and dock or whether it should wait until the epidemic had run its course. General Botha sent a telegraph permitting the passengers to land, enjoy their holiday, and then return to England. Okay. Shortly after, the worst flu epidemic in the history of the country broke out, and in one month, about 70,000 souls died as a result. In 1919, General Botha went down with flu, and despite receiving every medical treatment, it was all in vain. While he was ill, General Botha remembered how he had captured the rebels, fellow Boers, and had them shot because they refused to fight against in innocent Germans to annex German West Africa for England. 
as Umklasi said, General Botha wasn't like Smuts. Smuts is a yellow dog with a white collar. He is a complete Englishman and only as a, has a Boer name, white collar. But General Botha still has feelings, a Boer heart for the Boer nation. But wow, what treachery. So, according to this account, Botha died of the plague that was then uh, you know, actually started by the Rockefellers with their vaccination program. Mm during World War One, and now it had come to South Africa. I had no idea. Mm. Yeah, your comment. Uh, Pastor, yes, I, uh, something I wanted to say about this is one must not forget um, a few items. The first is the um, conspiracy that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners conspired in 1854 to annihilate the Boer people as a nation by means of genocide. And that was mm-hmm. the cause of the two wars. In fact, it was a surprise to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners that the British total, um, this British might of 278,000 men could not overrun the Boers of 22,000 men. Um, and that we saw um, the, the last battle at the Battle of Mayuba, Mujuba. Yeah. And that was, um, we actually passed that site uh, when you visited South Africa after we right. had gone to Blood River. You, but, you, can you remember <laughs> we had a, a meal in Newcastle? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, it, go ahead. You, after we visited Newcastle, we returned back to uh, Transvaal through the, um, the Willefius Hook Pass. Now, on the way to Volksrust, which is just on the other side of the border, we passed a mountain which was Majuba. It's a pity that I did not take you to actually see the site. It would have been excellent mm-hmm. to see the site itself um, because of the historic value of it. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll send you information about that yet to come. But the important thing is that uh, that was the very important event the 1854 uh, um, conspiracy by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, along with their church, the Dutch Reformed Church, and right. the Afrikaner Bond. We've spoken quite a bit about the Afrikaner Bond. And then also with two other parties, the Jews, of course, which included uh, the likes of, um, of uh, Otto, um, um, Otto Beit, Okay. A very prominent Cape Town Jew, Otto Beit, and then also with the Freemasonry of Onse Jan Hofmeier. <laughs> okay. That's right. a very important thing, the, the conspiracy of the 1854. Now, beyond that, it was a matter of um, the individual called Cecil John Rhodes. Now, the whole battle against the Boers was an incredibly crucial victory that the Edomites had to win so -hmm. that they could actually gain the balance of power in the financial market. Because had the Boers not, had the Boers regained or maintained ownership of their Boer Boer republics, the Boers would have been the most Effluent nation upon the earth, right? Because of all the gold and the diamonds and the uh, all the uh, well, the Boer republics. Is it by chance that the Boer republics had to be the two, um, let's say, the the two jewelry kisses of the world, right? With all their natural resources, right? Yes, and And without Jew bankers running your country, right? That it just had to be that part of the world where uh, Father Yahweh had led the Boer people as a, uh, not just as one or two tribes, but representing all 12 tribes on the house of Jacob. Right. And that they had yeah. led to this, the, the jewelry kiss of the world. And that was what the Cape Dutch yeah. Afrikaners. Yeah, the Judas kiss. They passed yeah. that, the, that to the Rothschilds. Uh, um, that was Onse Jan Hofmeier, 
1896, at the end of 1896, you will remember the Jamison Raid. Right. And then in 1897, uh, it was actually concluded and uh, Cecil John Rhodes uh, uh, was uh, commanded to appear in person in the British, uh, in London, mm-hmm. um, to explain the reason and the cause of the Jamison invasion. And also Jan Hofmeyer had gone with Cecil John Rhodes as his spokesman. Right. I remember that uh, uh, Onse Jan Hofmeyer was the, um, the, the, the main peanut in the Freemason Lodge of Cape, right. of Cape Town. The, Cape the main Freemason. tool, right. The main and, tool, yeah. Or operator, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And in, uh, in this particular uh, situation, Onse Jan Hofmeyer had gone to the Free State under the auspices invitation of President Wrights, F.W. Wrights. And with President F.W. Wrights promoting the Afrikaner Bond as an agricultural organization amongst the Boers. Mm. And that caused the Boers to sign up as members of this so-called agricultural union or this agricultural organization for the benefit of so-called farmers. Yeah. But that was the document that also Jan Hofmeyer used to get Cecil John Rhodes off because he, he stated that these Boers are actually in compliance with all the statements that also Jan Hofmeyer, Hofmeyer had made mm-hmm. to entice the war. Right. And that was why um, the, the um, uh, what's his name, the uh, um, commander of the British forces or the British Empire forces. Kitchener? Um, uh, Kitchener. Mm-hmm. That was why Lord Kitchener had called Onsi Jan Hofmeyer gave uh-huh. the, the uh, name of the mole. <laughs> the mole. Because of okay. the <laughs> way. Uh-huh. And the subversive way in which Onse Jan Hofmeyer could go into the Boer republics and actually subscribe hundreds of Boers as members of an agricultural unit, union, which was actually a political party in the Cape. Right, so right. The deception on deception on deception is just unbelievable. Right. Now, that kind of thing nearly caused a civil war against between the Boers of the Transvaal and the Boers of the Free State. Uh-huh. Right, right. Wow. That's amazing. Well, as you're speaking, I'm, I'm seeing a title of the history of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners vis-a-vis the Boer people. And the title would be something like The Judas Kiss, <laughs> the treachery of the Cape yeah. Dutch Afrikaners against the Boer people. I mean, that, that but title. Worse, yeah, it's worse. It's worse. <laughs> but uh, this, it, this it, kind it, of title will, will alert people, you know, to what the, the true relationship is between, you know, the Edomite Cape Dutch versus the Judahite Boer people. This must be understood. Yes. Well, something else which is now even worse. Today we find that these Cape Dutch Afrikaner Edomites claim that it was an Afrikaner rebellion. It was an Afrikaner <laughs> battle of right, Nadal. Right, it yeah, was yeah. an Afrikaner battle of Mijuba. That yes. the Afrikaner women and children were, uh, were, were, were murdered in the concentration right. camps. Everything is the Afrikaner. Yeah. Well, I remember very clearly. Yeah. Yeah, because when we got to... They, sorry. When we got to Blood River, uh, you were so upset about the uh, flag being colors being changed uh, from the Boer flag to the Afrikaner <laughs> flag that you protested right then and there at the at the establishment and then we held a a, a private prayer group in the middle of the grounds uh, asking Yahweh to expose the, this this lie that the Afrikaners are impersonating the Boers and, and well, well here we are we're doing our best to expose it go ahead. Exactly the same way as these Edomites have been posing and impersonating the house of Yehuda. That's and right. That is why they, they, they virtually 
They were, they were like snakes trying to, <laughs> That's to, right. to bite the heel of the Messiah. Amen. Amen. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's continue here because Absolutely. this is this is a, a a very interesting account, and it's amazing how uh, again, uh, Senator Van Rensburg's visions have come true. Extract from a letter by Boy Musselman. Yes. Shortly after General Botha died, Boy I was Musselman. visiting uh, uh, Uncle Classy. I asked him, "Why did you not tell me about General Botha's passing away? I thought you always told me everything." He replied. I told you about the man descending a ladder. His leadership is past, and I see how his clothes become threadbare and fall off, a sign that he would commit suicide because, quote, he falls backward and dies, then bees attack him. Okay, so here uh, Van Rensburg is saying, well, he committed suicide, and uh, the other account says he died of the flu. But let's read on and find out what actually happened. I said, but you did not tell me it was both. His reply was, I am telling you now. The only mistake I made was in thinking that he was being attacked by bees. They were maggots. <laughs> because after all those injections, both his body would surely turn rotten. Unquote. I arrived in Walmart stand where Reverend Vander Horst summoned me and said, quote, whenever you come to Valmaranstand, you always visit the seer. What does he say? I told him the whole story as I have written it to you. Reverend Vanderhorst then said, Last night I returned from Pretoria. General Botha's corpse was lying in state in the church. It had become so rotten that the church had to be disinfected and the coffin lined with lead. Now I ask you, why was he not embalmed? Is it because the news might leak up about what he really happened to the general, that he did not die a natural death? that he committed a deed for which no statesman would receive a state funeral? Could a person believe that General Botha had committed suicide because of the wrongs he had done his people? And finally in this section, (laughs) Today it is general knowledge that General Louis Botha committed suicide by cutting his wrists at the age of 57 on 27th August 1919. Professor A.W.G. Rat, Sir Van Rensburg and the Rebellion, published in 1994. Over to you for comment. Well, Pastor, uh, even at this time, uh, and at this stage in the history, this Professor A.W.G. Rat is being ostracized by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners uh-huh. as a receiver. Okay. Um, in fact, in fact, um, I have wanted to speak with him because there's so much uh, truth in what he says about the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, yet he doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. He, 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 he calls them the jingos. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, okay. So the truth tellers must always be ostracized, right? Even though they don't know the whole truth, the, you know, the, there can't be any hint of the truth to let on what really happened. So this is quite an amazing, yeah. but again, it, it parallels what happened in America when the Rothschilds staged the American Civil War, and there were traitors on both sides, okay? But the, the, the big yeah. Jew of the South, uh, who was, uh, oh, what's his name now? The, uh, the Judah Benjamin. He was the Judas. <laughs> he was the Judas placed in the ranks of the South to control the actions of uh, Jefferson Davis, and he basically orchestrated the war from from the South, while traitors in the North were orchestrating the war from the North. Okay, so uh, traitors everywhere, and not a, not a single American suspects that this is actually what happened that the Rothschilds orchestrated yeah. the American Civil War, and the Rothschilds were orchestrating your civil wars with the assistance of the Cape Dutch Afrikaners. Well, okay. Pastor, I would rather say they were, they were orchestrating, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners were orchestrating the wars, and the Rothschilds benefited because Onsi Jan Hofmeyer went to negotiate rather uh, uh, draft a conspiracy with the Rothschilds where in which the Boers um, valuable, the gold and the diamonds and the silver and the platinum was actually formed against mm. the the uh, arrangement of the uh, uh, 
the gaining together of the whole empire. Right. And the military might. Right. Okay. So, so, uh, so uh, the, go ahead. So, so, so the, the, the British Empire's military might was actually hired in as a mercenary might. Right. A military force. By the Cape Dutch. And to, uh, by the Cape Dutch. And to this day, the, uh, the payment of their deeds is still in the hands of the, well, the Boer, Boer Republic's mineral wealth is still in the hands of these Edomites. Mm. Okay, just as our economy is in the hands of Edom, the Edomite Rothschilds. <laughs> okay. Exactly. All right, let's get into Jan Smuts, the caller of treason. In 1921, P. Imker Hugenot, son of the national poet C.P. Hugenot, uh, sounds like Huguenot, right? Was he an actual Huguenot? Was inspector of schools. Um, Go ahead. Was he uh, a Huguenot? I would rather say he was a, a ex each, um, East, the Dutch East Indian companies, one of the Dutch East Indian companies, um, uh, employees? Um, uh, uh, Employees. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So he he's the national poet, or son of the national poet, was inspector of schools at Volmaranstadt. He and Seer van Rensburg became close friends. In an article in the Brandwag National Weekly Magazine, he wrote, quote, I have met many illustrious people in my life. However, it was among the humble that I met someone who made a lasting impression on me, Uncle Nicholas van Rensburg the Seer. He was one of the very few people who would make such a great and lasting impression on me, unquote. So these are the words of uh, Imker Hugenhout. Right from the very time they first met, he wanted to know from Van Rensburg whether it was true that he saw visions. Yes, cousin, the old man replied, but sometimes I cannot explain the visions. On other occasions, they are so clear that I know immediately what they represent. The conversation eventually turned... a matter of interest. Okay. Uh, this yes cousin in in uh, amongst the Boers it is um, the the word near is used in a very similar way as it would be yes brother okay but it is yes near but the near doesn't really relate to cousin okay it's it's not in that regard it's more okay. a, 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 an expression of uh, respect. Or affection that you don't know, but was also a boor. Right. Okay. Very good. All right. So it's a, an expression of uh, you know uh, honor and respect. Very good. Okay. Yes. So so he says the con uh, the conversation eventually turned to the tense conditions in Europe, and Imker Hugenhout was astounded at the old seer's knowledge and insight into matters on the world front. After Van Rensburg had left, the Reverend Van der Horst arrived, and Mr. Hugenhout wanted to know from him whether the seer perhaps received newspapers from overseas, as he was aware of events which did not happen in the local press, okay? Laughingly, the minister yeah. replied, Van Rensburg has never read a newspaper in his life. It was only then the inspector realized what wonderful gift that humble, simple old man was, blessed with his, uh, and he started making inquiries among the people about Nicholas and who and what he was. He was told by a local lawyer, Sam Gordon, that he often visited the seer on his farm, Reitkul, and that his kind Rutkeil. were Rutkeil, who were very few and far between. For although Van Rensburg is a poor man, he will give his last farthing to help his neighbor. I have often cautioned him not to do this, as people are taking advantage of his goodness. Ach, Mr. Gordon, they probably need the money more than I do. <laughs> Otherwise, they would not have asked me for it, Van Rensburg would reply in his calm manner. Gordon added, but that is not all. He is also a great patriot through marrow and bone and will not hesitate to sacrifice his life for his country if required to do so. So he was a true Israelite, obviously, of the house of Judah. Okay. At the, at the time prior to the amalgamation between Smuts and Herzog, few voters had any time for Smuts, and one day a farmer expressed his anti-Smuts feelings in no uncertain times in the presence of Van Rensburg. The seer admonished him, saying, One does not speak paddily about one's neighbor. He, Gordon, then told 
Hugenhut, that those standing around about the vision Nicholas had seen about Smuts and Herzog, look, I have seen a vision where they crawl out of an ant bear hole, meaning one day they will seek shelter in a sanctuary. This vision was fulfilled when Herzog and Smuts formed their coalition and government in 1933. Imker Huguenot mm. concludes his notes about the seer as follows, A prophet is not honored in his own country, but the same could not be said of Van Rensburg. I have lived in Volmarstadt for five years and never heard a single person denigrating him. To me, he was an example of the, hum- of the humble to whom things which were hidden from the wise were revealed. Unquote. Okay, so a very interesting episode uh, proving the fact that his visions did come true. And as we have already realized, he was not able to interpret them all, but sometimes he, it was, the meaning was obvious. Because these were yeah. the metaphorical and, visions. Go ahead. Um, and something else that needs to be said as well. He did not get his information or tabloids. Right. He got it most definitely from spending time in scriptures and on his knees. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay, next section, for a bowl of lentil soup. Now, are we uh, making a comparison between Jacob and Esau here? Okay, let's read on. As far back as 1910. Go ahead. You have a comment at this point? I would rather say it, it, it is. this is most probably relating the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners to the house of Esau, to right. Esau's bowl of lentil soup. Very good. Yes, yes. So as far back as 1910 with the formation of Union, Van Rensburg had already seen Smuts and Botha selling out the Boer Nation to England for a pot of lentil soup. Okay, just as uh, Esau accepted that pot of lentil soup instead of taking the the uh, you know, inheritance. Okay, the covenant. Mm. This old Afrikaans idiom refers to someone selling their birthright. His granddaughter, Mrs. Rhea James, told of this vision, quote, Grandfather saw how Louis Botha, Jan Smuts, and General Herzog, all dressed in brown suits, the color of the Boer Nation, went to England. On their return, however, Botha and Smuts were dressed in khaki, the color of betrayal, and only General Herzog was still dressed in brown. At the time, Van Rensburg was one of the few who warned that the Union would one day become the, the lead horse, or the Trojan horse, I'm sure he means, of the British Empire, but nobody would listen. This all began when both yeah. presented the Cullinan Diamond to the British Royal House, after which he exchanged his Boer uniform for knickerbockers and silk stockings, something which Smuts had done long ago. From then, they were not to be trusted by the Boers, okay? Well, they changed an outfit into the old-fashioned, what, uh, outfits of royalty at court, <laughs> right? The knickerbockers were those, those pants that actually looked like bloomers. Right, exactly, yes, bloomers. Quote, the rejection of Herzog as cabinet minister was proof of this, said Dr. M.C.K. Van Schur. And the attack on German West three years later, 1914, came as no surprise to the seer. When the grass turns green, we will fight again. He repeatedly warned since the summer of 1911, I see we are marching to German West in the north, and it will be a bitter battle, unquote. And, of course, this was part of the uh, conflict of World War One, where Exactly. Was- yeah, okay, yeah, uh, please elaborate on that. Well, it was already um, uh, uh, in the onset towards the um, the the. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to use the word the breaking or the breakout of the world war because it was an organised and very clearly orchestrated event to take part on a particular day at a particular date. Okay. So. Um, exactly as, as the same with the second and um, the second world war it was it had to happen on a particular date because that was as they had arranged and organized it and right. in the the announcement of Jan, uh, sorry in the announcement of louis Boerta that the boers were to fight against the the germans that right. led to the rebellion and after the rebellion um happened quite a number of things which I um, 
I'm not sure of the dates as to whether it be as part of the First World War as an onset to the First World War, but what one needs to know is that the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners orchestrated the formation of the Un Union of South Africa right. with one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to subjugate the Boers, because remember earlier on we, uh, we read that um, Jan Smith had the Boers that participated, or the Boer generals, from the Second Anglo-Boer War, he had them executed in various ways. They had to be removed out of the picture. Right. And that would actually make the Boers leaderless and subjugate the Boers to the Cape Dutch Afrikaners and right. their land. Yes. Whereas the Edomites, the Edomites from England, the Rothschilds and the uh, Oppenheimers, etc., where they then got hold of the mining rights Yes. of the Boers' uh, minerals and the precious metals and things. So it, it, it was an orchestrated thing, very clearly orchestrated uh, in times of, um, uh, yeah. before the actual occurrence of those events. But right. it was very important to, also to know that during the First World War, the Boers' sons were the ones that were taken into the war. And the Cape Dutch Afrikaner, these Edomites from the Cape, these Cape Dutch Afrikaners, right. their sons were enrolled into universities to right. uh, ensure that they would not be sent to the war zone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. More treachery. Right. Same thing happens in America. Was, the, the Jews stage the wars, but, but their sons don't actually do any fighting. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, the Boers had become the, um, what is called the proxy military might of the Edomites to fight against the House of Jacob's people in Europe, the right. Germans primarily. Yes. yes. That was what it was all about, to reduce the yeah. House of Jacob's numbers. Every war over the past exactly. 150 years and so for the purpose of, Yes. Reducing the number of the house of Jacob. And, the, and this current war in Ukraine has the same objective, all right? That war to be well, blamed on Russia, but it's really a battle yeah. against the white race to exterminate as many of us as possible, which was the only uh, objective the Rothschilds had in staging the American Civil War. And they eliminated 600,000 exactly. men in that war, Okay. Quite yes. amazing. All right. So, and of course, World War One and World War Two and all these ongoing wars are for the for the same. It's amazing, Pastor Martins, that the white race still exists. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Pastor, but 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 the sad thing is that the Boers, most probably many of the um, uh, of the, the the descendants of the House of Jacob in America, they are so deceived that they don't even see through this total blasphemous meanderings of the Edomites. Yes. And they still side with them, and they still, I, I mean, it, it is very clear that Ukraine is what used to be Kazaria. That's right. Kazaria, Kiev, this, right? This very, the very place that, that gave birth to this Edomite Jewish <laughs> right. uh, exactly. Kazarian mafia. Right. So they're getting rid of the Ukrainian white people. <laughs> right? That's what they're doing. Okay? Exactly. And, uh, and, and, uh, and street the Russian course. white people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a civil war in reality being staged by the international Jew. Okay? That's what's really going on exactly. there. Exactly. Okay? So uh, now this is very interesting. So the, uh, the rejection – oh, wait a minute uh, – where was I here? Okay, well, oh yeah, we will fight again. And she says that this battle was but the first phase of the British campaign with which the Boer could not associate himself. All right, so the Boers could not associate uh, in a war that would killed, uh, kill their own brethren, the Germans, right? The kinsmen. Yeah, their kinsmen. The kinsmen. Because in the process, yes. the Boer nation would compelled to make heavy sacrifices for empire. Yeah, that too. Right, but primarily because the Germans are the kinsmen of the Boers. All right, they're the Juba, House of yeah. Judah. 
In the book of visions, the seer yeah. gives the following two descriptions of smuts. I see a red-brown beast <laughs> standing in Johannesburg, looking eastward, and he suddenly becomes very lean. A red beast is the color of England. A brown one is our color. So a red-brown beast is nothing other than a degenerate boar. <laughs> General Smuts is a yellow dog wearing a white collar. If one entices a dog away from its original owner with morsels of food, he eventually bites the master who reared him. In the same manner, Smuts was enticed away from his nation with money and honor. Now England has the dog and we have the collar. So it is written in the Bible. Okay. Well, let me continue here. And I know you have a different perspective of this. So let me just finish this because a very mm. interesting area here. In 1923, General Smuts called a meeting at Lichtenberg. Um Klasi saw his best hat lying on the table on stage with General Smuts, and he immediately realized he would be attending this meeting, but could not imagine why he would be doing so. The magistrate at Lichtenberg, Mr. Graham Goss, visited the seer and told him that General Smuts requested his presence at the meeting. During the meeting, Smuts bestowed honors on the old National Father, Van Rensburg, who had honored him with his presence. After the meeting had adjourned, he and Smuts drank tea together, and Smuts once again emphasized he pleased how pleased he was to see him. Why then, General, the seer asked, although he could guess why, because I need your advice, see, he says. Tell me, how can I bridge the chasm which is growing wider by the day, between myself and the Boer nation to bring healing, he asks. The seer shook his head and he said, quote, You won't take my advice, General. Then Smuts pleaded with him, Tell me what I must do, and I will do it, even if it costs me my life. After a long silence, the, the seers replied softly but clearly, quote, Dissolve Parliament and call an election, and if you win, you'll know that the nation is behind you. But things cannot continue as they presently stand. Unquote. Wow. He actually had a conversation mm. with Jan Smuts. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Over to you. Okay. If one looks back in the, in the, uh, in, into the real history, the hidden history, you will find that Jan Smuts was actually appointed to be the Trojan horse that was to become the Minister of Defense of the Boer Volksrat or the Boer um, yeah, Assembly, Assembly, the, yeah. the, the Republic. Yeah. Be because the, the, um, in the Cape, the business was lucrative. Yes. It, it was represented by Dutch and by British interests. But why then would Jan Smuts, with a, uh, operating as an attorney, in the Cape, why would he leave the Cape to go and open a, an office in Johannesburg where everything was foreign to him? Yes. Yet, at the same time, Sammy, not Sammy Marx, um, one of the other Jews that President Paul Kruger had acquainted with and had become very close friends with. Uh, it wasn't Barney Bernardo, it wasn't Alfred Pike, it wasn't Sammy Marx, it was um, another one. I, I've just forgotten his name now. Okay. But this Jew, who had, of course, enticed President Paul Kruger into various luxurious things, like a, a very posh motor car and a house, etc., and had even erected two lions on President Paul Kruger's house at his entrance. Now, for this, President Paul Kruger had to appoint Jan Smuts right. as a as the minister, actually as the state attorney, which effectively was the minister of justice, who also became the minister of war mm -hmm. during any um, event that simulated or that is assimilated a war. Mm. Now, it, it is of no sheer coincidence that Jan Smuts had drawn the ultimatum when the British, all the timing of this, these events are so crucial to understanding 
this whole um, uh-huh. conspiracy from the 1854. Okay. Because it was at, at the right time, the British came and marched up towards the Transvaal. At the right time, Jan Smuts was appointed as the Minister of Defense. Right. As the, the state pro, the state procureur or the state attorney. It was at the right time that Jan Smuts then drafted the ultimatum, which he knew would not be, uh, which would be rejected by the British force that Mm -hmm. came up from Durban. And by the rejection of that, he had no alternative as planned to (laughs) declare war on the day after President Paul Kruger's birthday, the 11th of October, 1899. Okay. Can you see the trend? Yes. It yeah. was the maneuvering by by virtue of Jan Smuts, who declared war on the British, so the yeah. British could not be blamed for the war. Right. Exactly. Can you and, see how this oh, yeah, conspiracy uh, unfolds? Yeah, very clever maneuvering. You know, and so absolutely. Yeah, virtually every war is uh, try, you try to blame it on somebody else, <laughs> right? And uh, arrange yes. events. So, just like, uh, what, uh, when LBJ invaded Vietnam, mm. uh, he, he talked about a, a PT boat attacking uh, an American aircraft carrier, right? An event mm. which uh, was shown that never even happened, <laughs> right? But this is the pretext, the excuse that LBJ used right, to get us into the Vietnam War, Right? And so, so what you just described is a very, I mean, a, a sinister, uh, clever uh, maneuvering yes. by the international banksters against the war people. Okay, we have about three minutes that's left. It, that's not all. Okay. That's not all. If I could perhaps just add this. Jan Smuts not only declared the war for and on behalf of the Boers, of which he was not even part. Right. He also, he was also the one who had worded or, uh, by conspiracy, drafted the peace agreement at Vereniging right. at the end of the war. He was also the one that represented the two Boer republics at the Union Convention. Yeah. After the 33, after the 33 members who actually um, participated in the Union discussions at the Union Convention 1909 in Durban, he represented the both Boer republics, but after the 33, there were only two true Boers representing <laughs> the two Boer republics. Wow. Everybody else was basically against them, Pastor. Right. So he was a true Judas goat in every possible sense of the word. Again, the uh, absolute right. The the Christian world needs to understand that this impersonation of Israel, and in your case, the Boer people, is the most important understanding of Scripture you can possibly have. That you're you're constantly absolutely. being misrepresented by people claiming to be of you, right? Yes. Impersonation. Um, revelations. Revelations 2, 9, and 3, 9 very clearly says uh, about these that call themselves Jews but are not. They are deceivers and liars. Yeah, the synagogue of Satan, right? Yeah. synagogue of Satan. Yeah, and their pastors never quote those passages of Scripture. So in this way, our people remain clueless as to what's really going on in the world. You know, we're captives of Jewish mind manipulators and history manipulators. Okay, and pretenders, chameleons, <laughs> right? Chameleons, parasites. Yeah. So these are the situations that our people must need understand in order to to confront reality. The fact that the international Jew and the the offspring of Cain are one and the same, and their their modus operandi is always to impersonate us in order to lead us down the road to treachery. Okay. Yes, All right. Then, yeah. Very important thing. Okay, we're almost thing, out of time. Um, is, is that um, in, in our case, for example, still to this day, we find that it's Cape Dutch Afrikaners, these Edomites, 
that yes. continuously want to represent the Boers, even at the United Nations. They right. go and they present themselves as Boers, but they take Dutch Afrikaner Edomite. Yes, absolutely. Okay, Brother David, thank you for being on the show again today and clarifying all this Boer history for us. I hope our people begin to understand, especially the Boer people in South yeah. Africa, the true nature of the enemy and, how, and the manipulations, the clever, clever, clever manipulations of the Rothschilds, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners, etc., against the Boer people. It yeah. should arouse outrage as to how they have accomplished all this treachery. All right, thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, thank you. All right, folks, see you all next time. Take care. Yahweh bless. Bye-bye. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you.